0: God's crazy love, and that's the title of our lesson today. God's crazy love. Um, that that idea of, of God's love—it's it's something that that almost probably everyone on the earth has heard that phrase before. God loves you. It's used so often that that in fact that phrase can can even sometimes lose its sort of punch, can't it? It can almost become like a Christian cliche and we become just so familiar with that concept or that statement and it doesn't have the power that it should have and, and even flowing from there, even the idea of having a relationship with God communion, things like that they can, they can become familiar which is good it's familiar but, but it can become familiar in the sense that it becomes common and it loses its impact. It doesn't, doesn't rock us like it used to in, in a good sense. It doesn't stir our hearts the way it should. The idea of, of us of spending time with God and coming into God's presence, that, that, that thought, that, that should blow our minds, yet quite often it, it doesn't. We become familiar. And, and so, so often, I guess, we, we don't really stop to grasp what those different things mean. And so I hope this, this today, but throughout this campaign, we can really sort of start a revival of that, of not just um, sort of going through the motions, but, but really engaging our heart and our mind. Do we really get God's love? Does it really impact us? And, and I think that a huge part of it is, <clears throat> is the fact that we are just so busy. We, we, we rush through everything. And I think social media, um, internet, like all technology's been great, it's enabled us to do so much more, but in the sense, fill up our schedule so much more. There's almost no escaping. You're always contactable, You're all, there's always emails coming through, there's always something on, and, and we, we then carry that on into our relationship with God, where we just rush through things, and we don't really stop to think, wait, what am I doing as I read and pray to God? What am I doing as I come here and, and sing songs to God? And, and in fact, King Solomon actually warned us of this it's a great scripture in Ecclesiastes 5 verse 2 it says do not be quick with your mouth do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God God is in heaven and you are on earth so let your words be few <laughs> again he's, he's warning us again God wants to hear us speak of course but, but he's saying well, don't just be hasty and, and just run through just constantly talking talking stop and, and think and ponder and meditate and meditate on who God is, to be able to stand in awe of God, that, that God is in heaven and I'm just on earth. What, what an amazing God we have. And so I want to encourage you, do you spend time silently coming before God? Not just rushing through with the, the list of things you ask God, or even, even necessarily uh, just rushing through the, the thank yous that you sort of wrote learnt. But, but actually really engaging our mind and our heart as we come before God, to be able to stand in awe of Him. And, and today there are three things that I believe will, will help us to, to really engage our heart and our mind to really get God's amazing love. And the first one is simply uh, His poem. His poem. Do you want to turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 1? Romans
1: chapter 1. <clears throat>
0: In verse 20, it says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. Great scripture. Um, and, but I want to focus on, on one, one little bit of that, where it says... Um, in verse twenty, where it says, uh, doo, 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 um, "It says so, uh, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made." Mm-hmm. So this idea that his creation is is this message, and, and in fact, the Greek word for uh, for what has been made is poema, which what English word does that remind you of? His poem, I kind of gave it away by telling you the points which you called his poem, but yes, that, that Greek word we, that's where we get our English word poem from. And it's kind of amazing to think what has been, what, what God created is like his poem. It's a poem to hoot to, to us, to the world. His creation is, is something that, that through which we get to know him better. We get to know that in fact he is God. That He has this divine nature that, that we, we His creation tells us of His invisible qualities. That we get to know Him through His creation. His, his eternal aspects, his, his infinite, His unlimited, mind-blowing power. The fact that He truly is God. Yeah. That we can understand that by, by looking at what He has made. It's kind of amazing. Yeah. And it says, people without excuse... But Again, to really do this, we need to, to stop what we're doing, stop rushing through life, stop rushing through our times with God, and stop and really look and think and meditate on what God has created. And so I've got a video that Francis Chan actually did, which some of you may have seen it before, but but if you have, I really hope that you can really focus on this and, and get an idea of how big God's creation is. Um, All right, it's not sound, not working. Could we turn the sound up a little bit? What
1: about what you're seeing right now? First of all, this is the Earth, okay? That is just, just You're taking off from the Earth, from Southern California. We're gonna we're gonna rise up for a little bit here, okay? We're gonna pull away from it. We're going to pull higher. Now, this is at about 10 kilometers. Like if you climb Mount Everest, this is what you'd see. You'd see the curvature of the Earth from that distance. Now, you're going to, we're going to climb up even higher. This is at 100 kilometers. And you're a fourth of the way to the space station now. This is what you'd see. If you get to this level, you're considered an astronaut. Just if you ever get there. Okay, and now we're going 100,000 kilometers. 100,000 kilometers from the earth. You go a fourth of the way to the moon. That's what the earth would look like. Now we're going to pull away to a million kilometers. At a million kilometers, there's the moon. Okay? There's the moon. You barely see the earth. You're at a million kilometers now. You're past the, past the moon. And uh, now we're going to go to 100 million kilometers. 100 million kilometers. You're still not to the sun. The sun's 93 million miles away. But now we go to 10 trillion kilometers. Ten, there's the sun. You okay. just passed the sun. Now you would see all of the planets at 10 trillion kilometers. And now we're at 10 to the 15th power. That means 10 with 15 zeros. I don't know what that number is. 15 zeros. And the sun's just like a bright dot amidst other stars. And now we're going to 10 light years away. At 10 light years away... Come on, let's go. Zoom, there you go. 10 light years away. Now you just see the sun with like 11 other stars that are kind of its neighbors. You know, that, that, that that's our sun. And now we're going to go 1,000 light years away. At 1,000 light years away, you, you wouldn't even see our sun anymore. These are just a bunch of stars close to it in this cluster inside the Milky Way. Now we're going to zoom out even further and that's the Milky Way we live in. See that cluster of stars? Those are about 100,000 stars that are closest to our sun. You can't see our sun anymore at this point. Now this is our Milky Way galaxy. Forget about the Earth. Okay, there's our Milky Way galaxy that we live in. Um, and we're just buried in there somewhere. And we're going to pull out even further. And you'll see that our galaxy is actually... It's, it's a big galaxy. And... Uh, And all those other things you're seeing now are galaxies. And we're going to pull away 10 million light years now. His next scene is 10 million light years. Those are all galaxies you see amidst our Milky Way. Several hundred galaxies. Now we're going to go 100 million light years away. That's the last one. We're going to zoom out to 100 million light years. Those are all clusters of galaxies. Galaxies and clusters of galaxies. You won't even see our Milky Way galaxy anymore amidst that. We don't have telescopes that go beyond that little sphere there.
0: Kind of amazing, isn't it? To think of how big the Earth feels, to think of how far it feels like going all the way up to Edinburgh, to Scotland, to that men's retreat. And then you look at this, and you all of a sudden get humbled, don't you? And how small we really are compared to how amazing God's creation is. Yep. And don't when you when you really spend time thinking about this, don't don't you just want to stop and just like worship God. Yeah. Like if if I had any hint of, of a song leader's talent in my bones right now, I would lead us in a song. Like right? this You just want to worship God. I'll leave that to the people who actually do it. But but it's it's just amazing. God's creation is so un Believable, yeah. and it's amazing to think that most of these galaxies. Um, and Fred Chan talks about this. He said most of these galaxies have only we've only known about them for like twenty something years. So they've been they've been there for who knows how many years, and and God created them, and and generations after generations of people went about life and they didn't even know about them. And it's kind of amazing to think that that God did all that, even though people wouldn't know about it for so long. And you think, oh, why? And obviously, we don't know exactly why, but. But, but but probably just to make us think, oh my goodness, us that we can think how amazing is God when one day we finally catch up and, and we only know of like a hundred billion galaxies, so not stars but galaxies and, and and but again, God is just so amazing, so amazing. And so that's the, the big picture that, that shows his creation to be a poem. A, that shows his majesty, his power, his love but but then going into the detailed side of creation and for instance um, a caterpillar and French Chan talks about this, he says a caterpillar has 228 separate and distinct muscles in its head <laughs> in its head, it's kind of crazy isn't it to think that that the average elm tree has over 6 million leaves on it that, that the heart that the, as it pumps blood through the body it generates enough pressure to be able to squirt blood 30 feet in distance which is like 10 metres almost 10 metres it's kind of crazy isn't it and then even like the human brain and this is something that I the human brain is just so intricate and detailed and again we don't even understand still they've been it for so long they have no idea about so many parts of it for instance there's a certain part that if it gets damaged you no longer can recognise faces So you can recognize objects. You can say, yeah, that's a um, a tambourine, that's a chair, that's a phone. I know that's a person, but you won't recognize faces. And there are people who, they get shown a photo of themselves and they don't know who that is. They don't know who their wife is. And and again, they can be shown the photo, taken away, another photo comes of themselves, and again, they don't know who it is. And you just think, And, and we don't understand it. It's just so intricate and so detailed. And then even just the diversity that God gives us yeah. to think—you know—he could have kind of just done one of everything, really, and like made super trees, super foods, and they're just, they're just one of that, and it survives in every climate, every country. But but he didn't. He he could have just made one banana, but he, he made over like two thousand different kinds or something like that. Maybe that's he made a lot. probably not two thousand. A whole bunch of different bananas. Why? Why? He just did that. His creation is so diverse. He he made over. Three thousand different kinds of tree species, why he didn 't have to, but he did that because he wants to to write this poem to us. You even think of laughter he didn 't just create one kind of laughter. he created so many different kinds of laughter, the snorters, the uh, squealers the um, the silent laughers, the people who look like you 're in like a fit, um, the people who kind of sound like they 're faking laugh he didn 't need to, but he did he 's made us so distinct, so diverse. And even, even I love this one, that, that a spider can, can create 60 meters, sorry, 60 feet, so about 20, some, almost 20 meters, of silk in one hour. So a web in one hour. And that at the same time that it does that, it's creating oil on its feet so that its feet don't stick to the web. I think, my goodness. Just in all the little bits of creation. And even just the fact that, and we all know this, but even the fact that that tree the trees actually absorb carbon dioxide, which will kill us, and emits oxygen, which we need to live. <laughs> it's like... Um, like and these, a lot of these things you probably have heard, you may have read them, even some of these are from uh, Francis Chan's book, but, but have you stopped to, to really stand in awe of them? Yeah. To think, my goodness, how amazing is God? Like this creation, all its wonder is God's poem to us. So that we would stand in awe of Him... Know who He is and seek a relationship with Him. And just to, to finish off this idea, Psalm 19, verse 1-4 to 4 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world in the heavens God has pitched a tent for the sun. God's creation is so amazing. And I want to encourage you guys this afternoon, tomorrow stop. Stop what you are doing. Take everything out of your mind and just digest God's creation. Spend time in God's creation, meditating on His word and the creation around us reflecting on how amazing how Father is. Let that impact you. Let that impact you. Um, but again, it's not just creation that, that should sort of wow us, but but it's even just who God is, who He is. And obviously, um, uh, Roger, about a month ago, did a great sermon going through all the different qualities in the Bible of God. And, and one sort of aspect I was going to want to focus on is, is the idea of coming into the presence of God, what that's like. Um, because that should also blow us away. So that's our second point, which is His presence. Um, And if you want to turn your Bibles to Revelation chapter 4. I'm going to read an amazing bit of scripture here. A wild bit of scripture, I would say. Revelation chapter 4. Verse 1 to 11 says this. After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speak to me like a trumpet said, "Come up here, and I'll show you what must take place after this, being this life." At once I was in the spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, And seated on them were twenty-four elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the centre, round the throne, were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes. In front and behind, the first living creature was like a lion, the second was like an ox, the third had the face like a man, the fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all round, even under its wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give give glory, honour and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created. John, again, he, he obviously has this revelation and, and he, has, he ha- captures this glimpse of what heaven will be like before the throne. And it's one of those moments where, where you're like trying to describe something that words just can't really describe. And I kind of get that vibe that John was probably there, he's writing this, he's like, no, oh, that doesn't really quite describe it, and this, and oh, oh. I, I guess th- that's what we'll have to do. Words can't describe what this moment will be like. And I think as, as we go back through this, I want you to really try and get an image of what this will be like. You think about it. There's this, this throne, this, this epic throne with, with God seated on that throne. And God's appearance is like jasper rubies, these, these like amazing gems that, that, that God resembles, this, these radiant jewels that, that just shine and it just this, of, of unbelievable worth. And then the, the area encircled around the throne is encircled by a rainbow. So you guys have heard of the double rainbow video, right? No? Yeah? No? Okay. It's, funny, fun, it's funny for some of you guys. This, there's this video of this guy and he's blown away by a double rainbow in the sky. This is like not a double rainbow, this is a full circle rainbow. Wow. Around the throne like oh my goodness what that would be like if we actually saw that in real life and and in fact it's again this prophetic language can be hard for us to understand and, and so I kind of want you guys to picture just the most amazing sunset you've ever seen something like that potentially where where there's just these splashes of colour they go out over all all the sky over the ocean and, and it just makes you stop. And in fact, this we took this photo when we were in Fiji last December and, uh, and we were coming out for dinner and there was about 12 of us as we were coming out of our rooms. And, and you saw it and you just stopped. Everyone was like, oh my goodness. Like, no one was thinking about dinner. Everyone got out their phones taking photos. And it was those moments where you just keep taking photos because you're like, hey, that doesn't quite capture that. That no. and, and I've got, I don't know, probably thousand photos of the same thing. But it just didn't quite capture what was there. And and I feel like that's what John's doing. He's, he's, He's trying to betray what it would be like, but it'll be so much greater. So much more than even that. Again, John keeps going on, and then he describes these things that come from the throne. These flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder coming from God's throne and you just think this is like any other throne right then there are seven blazing torches before the throne a sea of glass clear as crystal and then around the throne are 24 other thrones and on those are these 24 elders and they're dressed in white and they've got these gold crowns and 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 then in front of the throne, there are these wacky four creatures who who knows what's going on there. They've got eyes all over them. They've got different heads and one's like a man. And it's kind of this, if you actually saw that, I don't know what you'd be thinking, but you'd probably pass out. It's just, oh my goodness, what is going on? John's description is just so wild of what heaven and coming before God will truly be like. And then he, then he tells us what those creatures and the, the, the elders are doing. And it says, the four creatures, says, day and night, they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. They never stop. And then the 24 elders, as they hear this, they fall down in worship and they, they take their crowns off. Sort of this, this image of submission. And they say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power. And it, it just picture, imagine being in that room. Imagine, imagine seeing all those elders chanting that. These crazy creatures chanting non-stop, declaring His glory and holiness. That, that should humble us. And if it doesn't, I don't believe you're opening up your heart to let it. That, that should humble us. That should, that should make us think, my goodness, the God that I worship, and He wants to know me. He wants to know me. I'm so small compared to God's creation and He still wants to know me. This should make us realise how unworthy we are and what a privilege it is that God wants us to come into His presence. Amen. How much He must love us. This should change the way we worship. After this, it should change. our worship should be different. Each time that we, we picture this, our worship should increase. In zeal, in love, in conviction. That that this should change the way we have quiet times in the morning. Every day that that as we come, that that we are coming into his presence. That image. This is what the presence that we are coming into. And yet he wants to, to listen to me. That should change everything we do. But do your times with God reflect this? And if not, I really want to encourage you, I think. I want to encourage you, the next time you're coming before God to pray, picture picture the, the words that will come out of your mouth the first time you see God. So you think that the moment you die, you pass on, or God comes back, and the first time you see God, what will come out of your mouth? There'll probably be just silence for a long time, or shock, but then what will those first words be? Next time you pray, let those words come out of your mouth. Let that be how you start your prayers. That, that we are coming into the presence of an amazing God. And as if all that isn't enough, but the fact that, that the God that we just read about, that amazing scene, all he's created, the fact that that very God would be willing to come to earth and die for us, that should also change everything. And that's our third and final point his sacrifice. His sacrifice. Uh, there was a girl named Laura Montero. Uh, she was 14 years old, and she was with her family on a, on a cruise ship off the coast of Mexico. Um, and, and she was on the cruise ship. They were—I don't know how long in, into the cruise they were on, but they were quite a fair way off. Uh, sure, I believe maybe 200, 300 miles off the coast. Um, when, it, when suddenly she got ill, and, and she rapidly got worse and worse quite quickly, and it became apparent as as some of the first aid people sort of looked at her and, that, and I believe they did have doctors on board but they looked at her and they said we believe she's got a ruptured appendix. And, and as they sort of thought well, okay, what, what can we do? The, the cruise ship had no, no hospital facility nothing to operate with that they were way too far from land to be able to get back in time and so they're stuck thinking what do we do? If, if we don't get help soon this girl is going to die. And so they send out this distress call hoping for some miracle that something might happen and, and they receive an answer from the USS Ronald Reagan <laughs> which is an aircraft carrier and, and it, was, it was about 500 miles off the coast uh, doing practicing training manoeuvres and, and whatnot. not and, and it gets the call and as soon as they got the call The aircraft carrier immediately stopped everything, turned around and steamed towards this cruise ship. And as time was running out, they realised we might not make it there in time. There's only so fast a a cruise ship like that carrying all these planes can go, let's send a helicopter to make up that, that extra 175 mile gap between us. And so they did, and the helicopter got there. It, it, it obviously didn't have anywhere to land. It lowered a basket. They, they they got medics. They put her on the basket. They lifted this 14-year-old girl up, and they raced back to the cruise ship, hoping that they might get a chance to, to form this life-saving surgery. And because of their quick response, they were able to save this 14-year-old girl's life. And that's her there. On this aircraft carrier, and... and you just think, picture it for a minute. This aircraft carrier has around 6,000 people on board and it costs over 2 million pounds a day just to run. And so this, this aircraft carrier turning around and going and saving it wasn't just interrupting a few people's schedule, a couple of medics. No, this was interrupting 6,000 people, costing millions and millions of pounds, all to save one girl's life imagine how the family and the girl must have felt after this. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that's why she's wearing, she's got like the hat and she's like, she'll probably join the Navy at some point. Who knows? Because yeah. you would just be like, so grateful. Yeah. But the amazing part is, is, is that God's done that for us.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> but so much more. First yeah. John 4, verse 8 to 9, says, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. Church, I, I, please, please hear this. God loves each and every one of you so much. He sent helicopters. He sent people. He, he, he orchestrated different life events just to to bring you to different spots, just for the hope of being able to save you. And and not just that, but but that God that we talked about, all that He created, that throne, that presence, that He then decided that He would invade this earth and become a man, just for the hope that He could reach out, pull us up, and potentially save us. It didn't cost Him money, it cost Him torture, pain, and His very life. All because He loves you. Do, do you really get that? Don't let that become familiar. Don't let that be just come common thoughts that, oh, yeah, are in one ear and out the other. That, that should change our relationship with God. That if you really get this, if you really dwell on this each and every day, that you won't struggle to have consistent times with God. I promise you that. And if you aren't, in God's Word, frequently and and, and meaningfully, if your life isn't affected by by Him and and His love and His creation, then then you're missing something. Something along the way you've become disconnected from His power, His majesty, His love, His grace. And you need to get back to that. This should change not just our relationship with God, but our relationship with each other. That we no longer just come here thinking, what am I going to get out of this? We no longer just think, okay self focused just on ourselves, but, but we're thinking of each other. And, and it doesn't just affect our relationship with the people in this room, but, but everyone else out there. Right. That The people we walk by aren't just random people on the street that we've never met. No, no, they are people that God is trying to reach out and grab them and save their souls. And He wants to use us to be a part of that. Church, let's let God's crazy love compel us. And to close out this idea in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 10, it says, For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Again, he says, We, the part I want to focus on is, he says, We are God's handiwork. And that is. The word again, the Greek word poema. Now it's only used twice in the whole Bible, so it's not that it's used like a thousand times, have lots of different meanings. It's used here and the other verse we read in Romans one. So what is he saying? He's saying that that our lives are to kind of be this poem that he wants to write, and and what for? T- to do the good works that he's prepared in advance for us to do, to show people God's true love, to give people a chance to get to know. Him. God envisions our lives becoming this powerful poem of love. He wants to use our lives, what we say, what we do, how we act at work, school, at home, in the neighbourhood, all of that to point to our amazing, gracious God. To change the lives of those around us. Do you want God to write a poem with your life? Do, do, do you want God to write a poem with your life, church? Yes, yes, Yeah. Please. This will take stopping and engaging our minds and our hearts with who God really is and what He has done, and He will use that to, that that poem, our life, to change the destiny of so many. And so, in conclusion, let, let's not let's not let our our relationship with God become something stale, familiar, um, common. But, but let's stay in awe of, of His amazing creation. Be blown away by who He is and what it means to come before Him in prayer and reading. And be absolutely humbled by His amazing sacrifice that He made for us on the cross. Church, let's, let's get that crazy love of God and when you do, it will blow you away. It will not be an excuse for not changing your life, I promise you that. It will be the very reason that you desire to. To let God work through you to change the world and people around us. So so church, as we take communion, as we take the bread and the wine, let's reflect on our amazing God. What He's created, what He's done through, through His death, burial and resurrection of His Son. And let's let Him change our lives and the lives of those around us. And to God be the glory...